man, it was a uh, funny story how I got your uh, information and everything was that we were doing a horror convention in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I have a company called Death Comes Lifting. That right. is, uh, yeah, it's a horror heavy metal fitness attire. And I'm, I myself am a, am a personal trainer and a cool. strength and conditioning coach. So we do those things and we're, we're usually the only fitness slash weight. You know, we have shirts that say lift weights, drink blood, things like that. (laughs) We're the only thing that has anything to do with weightlifting ever at any one of those shows. And, um, Gary, uh, was, was across from us and he was like, you have to know about this guy, Todd, who I'm working with and publishing a book and everything. And you're a bodybuilder and the whole thing. And it was just, it was just too perfect and meant to be. So I'm glad we, we hooked this up and I, I can't wait to know more about you, man. Excellent. I, I appreciate it. But I, I guess that, I guess that's, that's it. I mean, we could start there. I really don't know other than I read a quick synopsis of your book and looked up some pictures of you, man, but I, I really don't know too much about you. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, maybe it's, uh, telling us what's up. Where would you like me to start? <laughs> There's, there's 52 years of history there. So, All right. Well, how about the beginning of your fitness journey? You know, what, what got you into the gym and, uh, where, you know, how, how quickly did it take you to progress to, you know, someone who wanted to take bodybuilding as a career? Well, I, I was influenced pretty young. Uh, I remember sitting around and like a lot of kids reading comic books and, you know, seeing the heroes in those comic books. And then, of course, there was a lot of ads for muscle building, you know, back in those days. And uh, I remember distinctly being at one of my friend's houses and uh, he had stolen a, a muscle magazine from his older brother. And we were sitting there looking at it and going, wow, look at these guys. These guys really exist. And uh, I remember thinking in my head, one day I want to be one of those guys. And then I think I was about 18 years old and I I was uh, uh, quite involved in in high school sports and I was at a friend's house and he had a book sitting there written by Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger called Education of a Bodybuilder. And I picked it up and I was like, man, this guy's amazing. And and his story really spoke to me as well, how he just never really took no for an answer. And I mean, he came from this little tiny village in Austria you know, where bodybuilding wasn't even a thing and how he got started and he looked so heroic. And, and I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to be like that guy. So once high school sports uh, uh, finished, I was in the gym the next day, uh, you know, following the routines from that book. And it started there. That's great, man. I mean, I feel like I mean, me too. I read the encyclopedia of bodybuilding when I was studying to become a, a trainer and things. I mean, he's that, that dude's inspiring kids today as, as much as he did then. It's such a common story, common inspiration that we're, we're inspired by Arnold. So that's uh, to be able to walk in the footsteps of, of someone like him at, the, at this point. I bet that's, that feels pretty cool to you. Yeah. You know, it was one of the things that really spoke to me was how he spoke about uh, the Mr. Universe contest and, you know, what a, what a thrill it was to be able to go to something like that. People from all over the world and, uh, you know, following the footsteps of his idol, which was a guy named Reg Park, sure. who had won the Mr. Universe several times and then went on to star in several Hercules movies and made quite a fortune for himself. 
And I remember telling anybody who would listen here, I was a skinny 18 year old kid. And, but I would say, you know, one day I'm going to go to the Mr. Universe and I'm going to, I'm going to compete just like Arnold did. And, you know, and now I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. You did actually make it to the Mr. Universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've competed there twice and I'm preparing to go back this November. Wow, man, that's awesome. So, what what uh what phase of training are you in right now, or are you just kind of preparing? Well, uh, I'm slowly uh, tightening up. Like okay. I stay in pre a pretty good shape year round. I don't let my body weight get out of hand, so that it's more of a gradual process. I'm about 18 and a half weeks out from the show now, so now it's just really, you know, training as hard as I can, and the diet has to be, you know, 100% on point. Especially in Europe, um, there's so much attention to being conditioned and ripped. You know, yeah, you have to be big, but if you're not shredded, like absolutely shredded, they're not even going to look at you. Really? That's it? I yeah. never do that. So the big bodybuilding stuff is mainly a U.S. thing. U.S., they tend that right now the trend is big, big at all costs. Yeah. In Europe, in Europe, they're big, but if you're not shredded, you're, you're not even going to be looked at in the top five. So they really look at, you got to be diced. Um, and, and they really, they're, they're great at it. So I look at the guys that are competing over there and, and, you know, you can only research so much because it's an international contest. You have guys coming all over the world that you've never seen or heard of. Sure. And, you know, in America, you know, Canada and the United States, we tend to think of ourselves as the epicenter of the universe. And we forget there's some pretty good athletes out there that maybe we've never heard of that, that show up and you're like, wow, who's this guy? Like, right. are you kidding me? So you got to go in really, really good. I bet, yeah, I bet that's intimidating, man. Going back to the, the trend now in current bodybuilding, which is why I'm not really a huge fan of it is it's, it's just so much. It's, it's so much size. It's so much, yeah. you know, um, you know uh, whatever we can, we don't have to talk about drugs or anything but you see you see that that that's what i think of you know when i see yeah, it's too much the golden age you know frank zane and yeah. arnold and those guys that 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 classic physique they call it now that that's, right. uh, that's what bodybuilding means to me and i think you have that that look man that's that's what was so yeah. cool about yeah that's something that even though i'm competing in the current age I had a very clear vision of what I wanted my physique to look like. Yeah. And it was Arnold and Zane and, you know, those guys, Bob Paris and Barry DeMay, those guys had beautiful physiques. Yeah. They had muscle. Yeah. They had size, but it was sculpted into like a work of art. You'd have this tiny little waist and big chest and everything flowed with symmetry and aesthetic. So the biggest compliment I get from judges is they'll say, wow, you really have that that look from the seventies and the eighties, like awesome. we don't see that anymore. So, so that's, I play to my strength that way. I'm not going to blow up my physique and ruin my health to have a physique that I don't even want in the first place. I agree, man. It, it, it comes through. I think it's just such a, it's a classic thing. Like you said, it will never go out of style, which is a great no. way to uh, segue into your, your book a little bit, man, because I'll link the cover here for those who need to see it. It's one of the most badass covers in any bodybuilding book ever. You realize that, right? Yeah, it came out. And you know, the funny thing is I didn't even want to do that photo shoot. Really? At all. I didn't want, I hate photo shoots. 
And the photographers, there's these two brothers, and they're absolutely brilliant. They're just talented. And they said, Todd, we want to work with you. You have that classic physique. We think we could do some great work. And I said, ah, guys, you know, I, you know, I don't really pay for photo shoots. It's not my thing, you know. And they said, no, 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 we're not charging you. Just come. We just think we can do some really beautiful stuff. And I finally, I was like, well, maybe. And my girlfriend at the time, she said, why, you know, take advantage of this. This could be an opportunity. And we did these photos and that cover shot was my idea. I said, let's do something different. Let's do it. Like I'm carving myself out of a rock. Can you guys do that? And they said, Oh yeah, we could put that in after. And uh, so they, and then, you know, the book, I had the book written and, and uh, Gary was talking to me, we need a cover and a back cover. And I sent him these pictures and he's, He's like, oh, my goodness, these are fantastic. Yeah. And so I hadn't talked to these photographers in years. And I had to give them a shout and say, hey, guys, uh, would you be all right with me using those photos for a book? And they said, oh, give us a day or so to think about it. And I said, you know, it'd be great exposure for you. Uh-huh. And uh, they, they said, you know what? Yeah, do it. Use it. And I get so much attention and compliments on the cover. This man, that that book just, you know, it stands out. It really grabs you. Yeah, man, that's what uh, it spoke to me because that's what I try to do with my brand and fitness is be a little bit different, be a little bit edgier. And so many and that that's exactly what that is. Like that looks like a a book like nerds would read, you know, bodybuilding nerds would read, not just like a a totally fixed, like, you know, muscle and fitness photo shoot or something. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So how did what can you tell us about about the book and how how did that whole process like come about for you? Well. Uh, the best way to explain it, I guess you could say I've had uh, what people would call an interesting or challenging life. Yeah. And um, I'll kind of give you the, the, you know, the Coles notes version. But, you know, like at a very young age, I was about five years old and my father had a, a pretty severe drinking problem. And one night in a, in a drunken stupor, he decided to take his own life. And unfortunately, the, uh, the next morning, I, I found it. I found it. And, you know, at five years old, when you find your father after he, you know, kills himself, it, it affects you pretty severely. Wow, man. And uh, so from that point on, I, I didn't feel like a normal little kid anymore. And uh, I remember seeing, a, I don't know if you remember who Jack LaLanne is, sure. uh, but he was one of the original exercise gurus and he used to have this training show on TV. And I was uh, messing around really early in the morning. And it was on the TV and he was talking about living and being strong and healthy. And at that point I had a pretty, uh, pretty big fear of death because of what I'd been through. And this guy was now, you know, he was muscular and fit and he's talking about living a long time. So I thought that's what I want to do. So I started following his little show and doing exercises and, and that sort of thing and pushing my little body as hard as I could. And, uh, you know, but going through my childhood, I was always, you know, just a little bit kind of messed up because of what had happened. And sure. by the time I was 16, I was I was pretty, pretty out of control. My mother didn't know what to do with me anymore. And she was advised. She said, you know, well, Todd's 16. If you can't handle him, you can show him the door legally. So she did. And God bless her. I mean, it was probably the best thing she did. You know, nowadays people will coddle their children and not make them accountable but she was like you don't want to follow the rules of the house there's the door 
And so there I was 16 years old, you know, found myself, wow, you know, I don't have a place to live now. (laughs) And, you know, so I kind of bounced around and slept outside and, you know, showered at school and crashed at friends' houses and kind of made my way in the world. And, you know, uh, but it made, you know, in some ways that made me stronger because I had to be. And as things progressed, I never really dealt with stuff that had happened to me as a kid. And I think it's most people's tendencies to say, oh, this horrible thing happened. And that's why this and that, and we're not accountable. And I just, even though I'd gotten to bodybuilding and I'd done really well at it, it started to become a warped thing for me. I became so focused on that, that that was going to cure all my pain and, and fix things that I just pushed everything in my life to the side, all the important things, my, you know, my marriage, my job, everything. And then I started hanging out with people that were not good people. Like, and the analogy I use is if you can uh, roll around and crap long enough, you're going to start to smell. And, you know, uh, I ended up getting tied up with these guys that were, you know, for lack of a better term, organized crime. And uh, they asked me to uh, deliver some packages for them. And I did. I never asked what was in them. And one of them turned out to be about $50,000 worth of meth. And uh, one of their guys was an informant and had uh, talked to the police about, hey, this big bodybuilder guy is going to be delivering this. And so they pulled me over. And then I found myself sitting uh, in a jail cell. Effectively, I had now hit rock bottom, absolute rock bottom. And uh, then I had a decision to make. Okay, well, here I am. I lost everything. I was banned from competing. Everybody in my life had kind of, you know, turned away. And uh, it was like, okay, now you find out what you're made of. And I think the first thing that was important is I realized this is nobody's fault. What happened to me as a child and certain things, yeah, that was horrible. But you control how you react to every situation. You're in control of that. So I made poor decisions. So if you make poor decisions, you have to say, I made poor decisions that were my fault. Nobody else's fault, my fault. And once you do that, then you got a shot. So I started to be accountable and started to work at changing my life. And then I got back into bodybuilding, but for the right reason, for like, hey, there's the challenge of this. The gym makes sense to me. You know, uh, it's a black and white world. There's 200 pounds. You either lift it or you can't. You can talk to it all day long. It ain't going to lift itself. Right. And and I slowly started to build myself up and uh, and I, I realized, well, this is, you know, this is a this is a different story. And I started writing about it, but more more for myself, just cathartic. Like sure. I'm a high school dropout. I'm not a writer. And uh, I mentioned to a friend that I was writing and he said, oh, I'd love to see that. And I said, oh, that's not very good. He said, well, just send me some. And I think I'd written about three chapters. And I sent it to him and he got back to me right away. He said, this is really good. Can I show this to my wife? And I said, yeah, go ahead. And she said, wow, this is awesome. You need to keep doing this. And at first I was like, yeah, whatever. You're my friends. What are you going to say? You know, like, like if your kid brings you a really crappy drawing, you look at it. Oh, junior, that's fantastic. Let's put it on the fridge. Right. And that's what I thought they were doing. But then I let a few more people read it. And then I let people read it that didn't have a personal connection to me. And I kept getting this response that, Todd, this is an inspirational story. Like, this is it. And so I finished it. And it took about four and a half years 
to find somebody that said, you know what, I'll take a chance on this. And it was Gary. And Gary read only a few chapters and he looked and he messaged me and he said, yeah, I'll publish you. This is great. And um, so, cool. so we kind of revised the book a little bit. I had a little more to add on to it. And then we edited it in and picked out some pictures. And next thing I know, now I have a book uh, that's being sold in several countries. And uh, the feedback has been terrific. And, and the thing that really gives me the most pleasure is the whole goal was to be able to speak to people and say, hey, it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You can pick yourself up and you can succeed. You just have to be accountable and be willing to do the work. But it is possible. And I know because I did it. And believe me, when I was sitting in that jail cell, man, you don't feel much than that. I had gone from being one of the top ranked you know bodybuilders in Canada to you know sitting in this little you know smaller than a bedroom toilet in the corner in a maximum security gang unit <laughs> prison you know 23 hours a day in lockup you have a lot of time to think wow. so you know that's that's kind of my my story in a nutshell so if I can affect people now in a positive way Get them to to say, you know what, I can do this. Because yeah. there are a lot of people out there that have gone through what I've gone through that have grown up in houses with abuse and alcoholism. Maybe they found themselves homeless at one point or made mistakes, ended up incarcerated. So many people have been through so much. You know, if this speaks to them, that's worth it. You know, then I feel like, okay, this happened for a reason. That's beautiful, man. Absolutely. And I'll, obviously we'll link this up to the, to the book if anybody wants to get it. I know Gary wouldn't take a chance on a bad story. If, if that, no, he, no, he does the most out there stuff. So when I knew that he chose this one thing he did for bodybuilding, I knew it was uh, something epic, man. And it sounds, it yeah. sounds really good. Um, your story is awesome. Where, where were you at? You were, you were already acclaimed bodybuilding wise when you were in prison, you said, correct? Yeah. So what was the journey like for you? Like what, what went down after jail and then your journey back to bodybuilding? I mean, how, how it was, did you get yourself to that mindset? It was brutal. I got to be honest with you. So I get released from prison. My girlfriend has left. Everything in my place has been sold. I have rent paid up until the month end and that's it. Okay. All my utilities are shut off. I have cold water, no money and no food. And I was like, like, this is, this is bad. And I remember I had a bottle of pills in my medicine cabinet from an injury, some pain meds. And I said, you know what? I'm done. And I, I took, it was probably about a half a bottle left. And I just chucked them back and went to sleep and thought, I, I'm good. Awesome. And, and then the next morning I woke up <laughs> and I was like, well, then I guess I'm, I guess that didn't work. So now what? Okay, you're, you're obviously meant to be here. Suck it up, buttercup. It's time to work. So right. my first thought was, what do I do? And I thought, well, go to where your life makes sense. And that was the gym. So I walked to the gym. Now, the gym, normally when I'd walk in, it would be like, hey, Todd, how's it going? You know, because a lot of bodybuilders were that were competing trained at this one gym. And I walked in there and I'll never forget. The guys that normally would say, hey, how are you and physically turned their backs to me, turned around 
would not acknowledge me, wouldn't say hi. They all knew what had happened. And I was like, all right. Okay, it's like that. Fair. So I went and I started to train and I started, I thought, I'm going to do some bench press. And so I started warming up and I did 135 pounds, 185 pounds, 225, 275, 315, 365. And I said, hell, I'm going to do 405 today. So I put 405 pounds on the bar and I'm about to, to lift it. And this one guy, Rob, comes up to me. The only guy that would talk to me and he was, I'd competed with him. And he, he says, hey, Todd, man, how are you doing? I was like, I'm all right. And he goes, man, I, I heard some things. <laughs> I said, I bet you did. And he says, are you okay? I said, well, you know, I'll tell you about those things. I bet a lot of what you heard was true. And I bet some of the stuff you heard wasn't. But I'm about to bench this 405. And I, so things are pretty good. And he goes, all right, man, all right. And he walked away and I laid back and pumped out, you know, six or seven reps with that. And I was like, you know what? I'm alive. Damn. I'm still here. I'm still here. Damn. And, and, and that was the best thing I could do is just like, do something that was positive, right? Yeah. And then, and then from there, it was like baby steps. Okay, I got to find a job. I got to, you know, I, I got to find a way to, to look after myself again. And that was hard because when you come out of jail, nobody wants to hear nothing from you. They don't want nothing to do with you. Right. So I had to take these terrible jobs. Obviously, nobody wanted to hire me as a trainer anymore. And it took years and years and years of slowly building myself up. My, my, uh, legal situation was in and out of the court for five years then i finally had my day in court and i was convicted but i had done so much good stuff in that five years i said i'm convicting you and even though the, the the prosecuting attorney is looking for seven years in jail i'm not giving you any years in jail i'm going to give you two years of house arrest and part of what you have to do is you need to speak to youth groups because you're you're clearly good at communicating. And I think your story can help people. And so that was like the greatest gift from above I could have ever got. I remember I broke down right there in court and cried. I was so like, I couldn't believe it. And I told myself, you've been given a gift. Now you need to do good things because do not waste this chance because you've been given a second chance. Dude, that's inc that's incredible, man. So, like, if you don't mind me asking, like, how old were you at this time? I was when I was arrested. I was forty-one years old. Holy shit! Man. Yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm more amazed at the fact that fresh out of jail at forty-some years old, you could bench press four hundred five <laughs> for reps, bro. That's that's the most <laughs> impressive part of that entire thing. I, you know what? I did I did four hundred five last week for six. That's that's incredible, Brand. I and mean, I'm, 50, I'm 52 now. Yeah, dude, that that that's so incredible. So what? I mean, there you go. What do you say to people even your age that say it's impossible to get in shape and like stay in shape as you get older, man? Like, what what what's the secret? What if, what's your secret? It, you got to be smart about it. So like, yeah. even though some days you know the sun is shining, the stars align, everything feels great, I'll go heavy. Yeah. But you got to learn to listen to the body. And if you're new to it, you got to take baby steps. So if you're new to it, you might train for 15 minutes, three times a week. That's a start. That's all you need to do. But uh, for example, like if I go in the gym and maybe my shoulders don't feel good or something. Okay. Well, that's going to be a rep day. That's going to yeah. be a day putting blood in the muscle and repair. 
But on days where I feel strong, okay, let's push it a little bit. And then, of course, the nutrition aspect. If you're going to, you know, I call it, pardon my language, but don't eat like an asshole, right? You know, if you put garbage in, how can you expect to get the most out of your body? And it doesn't mean that you have to stop living. Once a week, I have cheeseburgers, pizza, whatever I want. But the rest of the time, you know, barbecue some chicken breast, you know, have some rice, have some vegetables, have steak. Right. And eat smart. And if you do that, you're going to reap the rewards. One of the biggest things I see that people, it, it's so beat into us at a young age that alcohol is this great acceptable thing. And I see more damage done to people's lives, physiques. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, you can never have a beer or a glass of wine. But the problem is, if I sit down and I have a beverage that I like, which might be a diet pop, have one maybe two and that's it i'm good but people sit down and they don't have a beer they have eight beer nine beer ten beer they, they have a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine and they do that regular or they have to have alcohol every day and it's just so accepted and they don't understand what it does to your metabolic rate they don't understand what it does to you psychologically you know and so many bad effects from it talk to any police officer about calls they respond to and how much alcohol is involved. You know, so you wanna you wanna reverse aging, stop drinking. Dude. Man, that's the easiest thing you can do. Or drink minimally. Like if you're okay once a week and going out for a nice steak dinner and you want a glass of red wine with it, have a glass of red wine and leave it at that. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I stopped drinking like two years ago and I can't, you know. It, you kind of can't believe how much you were doing it when you were doing it. You know, it was the most dramatic change to my physique I've ever seen when I just cut mm -hmm. out alcohol completely. Like I lose weight in places you didn't even know you had to lose weight from, you know, and absolutely sharp. So I recommend that to all my clients too. I mean, drink, yeah. drink minimally. It's uh, people that say there's benefits from it. I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> actual health benefits, uh, nothing you can't get with a good diet, which, bodybuilding can teach you a really good foundational diet. I mean, that's what got me healthy. And as a, a lot of people just looking up with bodybuilders eat just natural, real food, protein, vegetables, you know, a couple times, a couple times a day, keep it tight. I mean, that can go a, a long way and you're, you're proof of that, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. 100%. And, uh, you know, that's also something I, I wanted to talk about how, since you got out of jail and that, that whole thing, you had no money, no job, whatever. How did you even afford to bodybuild? Because if people that don't know bodybuilding, that shit ain't cheap. I was on, like, there were times for the first while my protein was like wieners. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you, you ate you ate rough. You ate, like, you. oh, yeah. man, I got some eggs today. Woo! You know, right. uh, it was, you know, a couple cans of tuna here and there or the worst, you know, ground beef the full fat ground beef and and it was hard you know but you know i found a little job and it was a horrible job but you know i i'd buy what i can and then luckily when i was younger i used to weld for a living so uh, i found a place that gave me a shot you know they said okay. you know we'll take a chance on you and then i got right. a job welding and so that made a, a little bit more money and then i could eat properly again Sure. And uh, eventually I was uh, uh, reinstated to be able to compete. And I, I remember I, I did a couple small shows just to just to see, you know, like I haven't done 
next years. Let's see what happens. And I went into this show and I won it. And I was like, huh, look at that. You know, and then I did another one. I won that one too. And then the next year I did one where I only dieted for about 11 days. And I went into the last minute and I still placed second. <laughs> and, and I thought maybe I'm still okay at this. Wow. And uh, I was having a conversation with my girlfriend at the time. And I said, you know, one of my regrets is when I was younger, I'd been invited to compete at the Mr. Universe, but I never did it because I was under contract with a supplement company in North America. They didn't have their supplements in Europe. And they wanted me to compete that same weekend in the Canadian championship. So they said, well, you can go to Europe, but we're not going to pay for it. And if you go compete over there, it's going to void your contract. And at that time, that contract was, you know, paying me and, uh, you know, so like, well, okay. So I didn't go and I always regretted it. And uh, so she said to me, she says, well, why don't you try again? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm in my late forties. Like she goes, you got nothing to lose. So I, I messaged a, a friend of mine who who's uh, the only person I trust in any sort of coaching really His name's Richard Palatano. And he was a student of a guy named Bob Gruskin who trained pretty much every top bodybuilder in the seventies and eighties. Okay. And uh, Richard was connected with the Mr. Universe contest. And he said, well, why don't you, uh, why don't you send an email to Eddie Elwood? He's, he's a former Mr. Universe and he's on the executive and see what he says. Maybe they'll remember you. So I messaged Eddie and he said, well, what do you look like now? And I sent him some pictures. He says, you look great. I'm going to forward to Val Charles, who was the president of the Federation. And she was the president of the Federation back when they had invited me in the first place. And so she responded right away and she said, well, Todd, it looks like it took a long time, but it looks like we're going to get you on a Mr. Universe stage. And this was exactly 12 weeks out from the Mr. Universe. And they sent me an invitation and I was like, oh man, it's on now. <laughs> Here we go. 12 weeks, you know, and you don't want to show up and you don't want to show up and embarrass your, yourself. It's one thing to go to the Mr. Universe and you know, there's, you know, Canada, the Canadian mentality is often, oh, just go and do your best, you know? Right. You know, <laughs> we're polite people. Go and have a good time. And yeah. It's the universe, eh? Have a good time. Sure. And I was like, oh, no, I, I can't go like that. And so I I talk about it in the book, and I, I kind of use that 12 weeks to exercise every demon I had in my life. And I was like, I'm going to empty the tank. I'm going to use every little bit of anger every little bit of frustration. I'm going to remember every person that laughed at me when I was young and said, you bodybuilder, look at you, you're a skinny kid. You can't do that. I used all of that. And I showed up at the Mr. Universe in the best shape of my life at, at 49 years old. And I walked on that stage and they started calling out the top guys in the prejudging. And they called my number. I was like, are you kidding? I couldn't believe it. You know, I was being called out in the top six. My man. And I was like, it was just a, took a lot just to keep my composure at that point. Cause I was like, man, I'm, I'm doing like Arnold right now. I'm on that same stage. I'm here. I'm doing this. And I ended up placing fourth 
And even though it was fourth to me that day, it could have been, it was as good as, you know, they gave me this huge trophy and, uh, you know, people were coming up to me after some of the judges said, you know, we actually had you as high as second. So, and, and they explained, they said, look, you're new. We've never seen you before. You know, you kind of got to pay your dues. We know most of these guys, we don't know who you are, but you look fantastic. And it was, it was pretty emotional. You know, to be able to do that at that level, you know, I just thought, you know, when I was warming up backstage and I'm looking at these guys and everybody looks amazing, I'm thinking, you know, if I could beat one guy, (laughs) if I could be not last at the Mr. Universe, I'll take it. And then to be fourth and then to find out later that I was only the third Canadian in 70 years to place at a Mr. Universe, I felt pretty good about that. Especially from, from where I came from. That's incredible, man. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're firing me up, bro. I'm, I'm inspired. <laughs> it's what you said about, you know, using those weeks you had to prepare to like deal with your demons and like let, let everything out of the tank. That's that's something huge that, that I preach to, uh, you know, a lot of our our followers are kind of, kind of not necessarily all into the working out, the lifting thing. They're, uh, you know, a lot of them are fucked up kids like us, you know what I mean? Yeah. That are into heavy metal and horror movies. And they think the gym's for jocks. And I always explain, I'm like, man, if it wasn't for weights, I would have been dead. Or, you know, a lot of people channel the therapy they need to go to into drugs and alcohol. You could easily replace that with the weights, you know? And, and is that something you, I mean, you had to use that, right? Your your entire life dealing with what you dealt with it really was the only thing that even in my worst days, it's what kept me going. It was the black and white of that world. It was to be able to get that aggression out to get that anger. Like, yeah. When, when my dad died, it was 1974. And in 1974, nobody talked about anything. Nobody thought, Hey, maybe, maybe somebody should talk to this kid. (laughs) Right. So my dad dies. I find him. The next day I'm in school, like nothing happened, you know, like just go to school. Everything's fine. So you, you bury all that pain. Well, you could push pain down only so long. It's going to find its way out. And so even though I wasn't able to do it hundred percent, I can do it now where I can take that and I can channel the negative and turn it into a positive. So I remember being in the gym training for the universe and tears streaming down my face you know like i was so mad so angry i was like oh you know and i'm i'm hurt i'm going rep after rep after rep and i'm just thinking of something and i'm like you use it use it and i remember my girlfriend at the time she goes you okay i'm like yeah i'm good i'm good you know and that's something that not just i can do but you can do and kids can do and everybody because everybody everybody gets that hurt you know life doesn't pick on anybody life is just life and it's going to throw all these curveballs at us but for some reason our society has started to teach people well nothing's your fault well that's not true things are our fault how we react to bad situations that's our fault so we can take those ugly situations and turn them into something meaningful and good you know, that mindset you go to and you hear other champions talk about that. You know, I remember listening to uh, a few times Dorian Yates would say he would go to places in his head to get that last rep that 
he can't like really comfortably think about right now, you know, like just going to dark places and using troubled past as a, as kind of a fuel and, and, and things like that. Do you think that, do you think that what's what makes the difference between, you know, people that train and people that are champions, you know, that like kind of, you kind of got to be crazy a little bit. I think that the best um, champions almost in any sport, and even though bodybuilding technically is more, to me, it's more of an art form, but we train like an athlete. Yeah. And Dorian's a great example because Dorian had really good genetics, but he didn't have the best genetics of his era. He was competing against Kevin Lee and Flex Wheeler. And mm -hmm. I mean, there were these guys, Chris Cormier, they, they were better than him. He's the first to say, he goes, if they trained like I did, if they had my mindset, mm -hmm. I couldn't those guys, but Dorian would go into his little dungeon. I've trained in his gym, by the way. It's, it was fantastic. Oh, temple, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's on my bucket list of if I could train anywhere, I would go there. Yeah. Temples. That's, that's a great gym. And uh, he'd go in there train like an animal he'd eat his food he'd suffer he didn't care what he had to do come to the united states beat everybody and then go home and you know he didn't get caught up in all the the fame and the party scene and all that stuff he was 100 focused yeah and he knew nobody was going to beat him because of that focus and so you know i remember the first year dorian won I was watching that show and Flex Wheeler came out and I was like, wow, this guy's unbelievable. This guy's going to be the next Mr. Olympia. And then Dorian came out and I was like, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he was just such, he was so rock hard. He looked different than anything I'd seen in that conditioning and everything came because he went to a dark place that nobody else was willing to go. Do you, um, I was uh, talking on, on another podcast to somebody about, about this similar thing. A lot of, uh, you know, any successful creative, I know you consider bodybuilding an art form, as do I. It's kind of like, you know, you're sculpting, literally sculpting your own body like it's clay. And, uh, yeah. you know, any person successful in, in a field like that, a lot of the times has a troubled childhood. or, or um, And we use the gym as kind of to fill the void of what, a father would have, right? Um, you know, I grew up a divorced, divorced house. There's a lot of people in similar situations, maybe not as dramatic as what you what you went through, unfortunately. But they say the gym replaces the role of the father as it's supposed to show you like what's hard about life. You know, like that's like the father's role in our life is to guide us in a way with like kind of tough love, is to show us pain in the world in a healthy way. And when we don't have that, shit can get weird. And oftentimes we replace that with heavy weights. I agree. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's something that pretty that resonated pretty heavy. So that that's cool, man. That's cool you hear. It's cool you're doing something so positive. It's important to spread that message too. So we appreciate you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Thanks, Todd. Well, I'll, like I said, I'll link up to where anybody can read your book. I highly recommend they do so. And uh, if anybody need wants to reach you, you on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, they can check you out. Yeah, on Instagram, it's just uh, type in my name, Todd Payette Universe, and uh, I'll pop up. And then on Facebook, just my name. Awesome, uh, you know, if you wanted to post a, a link to the book, yeah. that's great. Definitely. Um, and I'm and I love when people reach out too. So if somebody 
just wants to say, hey, you know, I, I feel you. I'm going through this or I'm going through that. And they just want to, you know, maybe they need a little boost. I'm more than happy to do that for folks because isn't that really what the point of all this is? Definitely. Is Definitely. to pay it forward, right? You know, it's great to write a book. and Hey, I'd love to sell a million copies. But if it's not helping anybody, it's not speaking to anybody, what's the point, right? Couldn't have said it better myself, sir. Thank you for your time, man. You're a generous dude, Todd. You're doing good stuff.